We are a social enterprise and our goal is to change the industry from within. And the best way we can do this is by being part of the market, uh, building our own phones to show uh, to the world what can be done to make a phone that is more sustainable and fair. Welcome to Tech Talks, the podcast brought to you by Nash Squared and hosted by myself, David Savage, that's been bringing you the latest thinking from technology leaders for over eight years. On today's show, we are talking to Mikkel. He is the head of product management at the Dutch company Fairphone. But before that, hello, Amber. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Good. It's Halloween. It is. But it's also really, really dark outside as well. So it's... Um, well, it, it generally is at Halloween. Well, yeah, I know exactly. I know. But it's just... Um, I'm just looking outside the window right now and it's just... Oh, it's just miserable and it's so disorientating. Like when the clocks go back or forward or whatever they bloody do, I've got no idea what the time is. So, um, yeah, I'm just a little bit all over the place today. Well, for our listeners' benefit, it's very nearly five o'clock on Monday. Obviously, this is going out tomorrow, which is Halloween. Will you have plenty of sweets in the house should trick-or-treaters come knocking? I might have them in the house. I don't know if they'll last until the trick-or-treaters get there. But <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't really have that many like trick-or-treaters around my way, to be honest. So I don't generally get too much in. So no, in answer to that, which is a little bit boring. So no, I don't. Terribly. Moving on. Uh, mm. Very quickly, uh, later this week, uh, I'm going to be interviewing Suki Fuller, who, Amber, you will probably remember, won the UK's accolade, or the accolade, sorry, is the UK's most influential woman in tech recently. Mm. What question would you ask Suki if you had the opportunity? Oh, put me on the spot there, Dave. Great question. Um, I would want to know who is like her biggest influence who helped her to get to where she is and who helped her to kind of get this accolade because I'm sure there were many people like family friends but I suppose were there people outside of that that we would know in the media or in you know quite influential positions that have actually sort of given her that kind of hunger and that that drive so yeah I would ask about sort of like who has influenced her if anyone else has questions that they would put to the number one influential woman in the UK tech sector. Well, get in touch. Let us know ahead of Thursday uh, when I interview her and that'll be out in the coming weeks. Anyway, back to the theme of Halloween. As I said at the beginning of the intro, we're going to be talking to Fairphone today. Something that is truly terrifying is the fact that there are more mobile phones in the world than there are people. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. That is terrifying. (laughs) Now, if you think about actually how resource intensive it is to make a mobile phone and how we just throw them away and they go into landfill, it's really terrifying for the planet. Mm. Uh, We'll hand over to Mikkel, who will give us the actual kind of uh, narrative around this, and and we'll be back afterwards. Today, I'm joined by Mikkel. Mikkel, you are the head of product management at Fairphone. How are you today? I'm very good, and you? How are you then? Not too bad. Not too bad. I'm going to hazard a guess, and this is always a stupid thing to do because... When I turn out to be inevitably wrong, then I look stupid. But are you are you Spanish? I am I am Spanish, yeah. But I do live sixteen years of my life in the Netherlands, so I also see myself as one third Dutch. Also in the way I behave. So <laughs> the Netherlands is a lovely place to be. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And obviously talking to you in the Netherlands because Fairphone are based in the Netherlands. Correct. Yeah, we are based in Amsterdam. 
Look, Fairphone is a brand that I've become increasingly aware of. I think over the last three years, um, I first saw an article about Fairphone in the Guardian newspaper here in the UK, and then I've seen their reviews of your of your latest smartphones. Mm-hmm. But for people who aren't familiar with the brand, do you just want to give us a, a very quick intro to Fairphone, who you are, and obviously I've said they're smartphones, but what you do? Yeah, sure. I'll start by saying or by, by telling you about who we are today as well, and then I'll go a little bit back in time. Uh, as of today, we are a mobile phone company, so we make smartphones, but we make quite special smartphones. We are a social enterprise, and our goal is to change the industry from within. And the best way we can do this is by being part of the market, uh, building our own phones to show uh, to the world what can be done to make a phone that is more sustainable and fair. Um, We exist now for 10 years, so we've been steadily growing. And we started in 2000. Uh, 11, 2012, as an awareness campaign. So it it was always uh, from the beginning of of Fairphone, we were raising awareness on, um, I would call them unsustainabilities behind the electronic sector and what we can do to change that. And since the beginning, we were saying we will build a phone uh, that will contribute to making a more fair and sustainable uh, industry. And yeah, that's where we are today. So we've launched by now five different phones, increasingly more sustainable and with more projects attached. Um, and yeah, you, I like that you you asked the question, who are Fairphone? So not, not uh, what is Fairphone? So we are, I can tell you, a, a group of 150 very passionate people um, that believe that uh, businesses can be used for as a as a source of goods, and uh, and that's what we do. We we develop projects around four uh, main topics. So they this has to do with origin of materials, uh, so fair materials, um, the design of our phones that needs to be long lasting, uh, working conditions in the whole supply chain, and recycling. And over these four uh, topics, we follow our what we call our theory of change. So we start raising awareness. Second, we provide the example. So we make something tangible, whether it's a product or a project in the supply chain that makes tangible what can be done better. And the third step is to make it bigger. So we scale them up, finding uh, uh, finding partners in the supply chain. This can be other brands sometimes. For example, we created the Fair Cobalt Alliance, cobalt, a very important material in our batteries, where companies like Tesla or, or Glencore, very big companies, are also part of. Or sometimes we make an initiative ourselves and we try others to replicate it, uh, like, for example, our living wage program, where we have shown the world and we've written white papers on how to convince your suppliers in Asia to pay a living wage to their workers um, that are producing your uh, product. And in that case, we reach out to the whole industry for them to, to replicate actually what we were doing. Look, just to jump in, you talk there about being sustainable and fair. Let's dive into that in some detail, because you're talking here about living wage, you're talking about the Cobalt Alliance, you're talking about changes to the supply chain. What's different though about Fairphone? At its, at its very basic elements, what is it that makes the phone itself sustainable and fair? 
Yeah. So if you take the phone as a starting point, we integrate, uh, I would say, many more fair and recycled materials in our in our phone itself. So we have now with uh, with Fairphone Five, we've integrated for fourteen materials where we really focus on 70% come from fair or recycled sources. And I like to say we don't choose necessarily between fair or recycled because every material is a different story and every material uh, has, every material chain has uh, uh, topics that need to be addressed. So we, we don't say, oh, the best you can do is integrate 100% recycled uh, material of that specific material, because it might be a material that, for example, where there is no enough recycled um, uh, sourcing in the world, it is much better to focus actually on improving mining. That's the case of cobalt, for example. The, the increase of, um, I don't want to get too much into detail here, but the increase of our needs of cobalt in the world are too big now with electric vehicles and with all the batteries and all the consumer electronics that we have to actually just rely on recycled cobalt. And what we say is like, you need to increase the, uh, and improve the working conditions at the mining sector in the cobalt. So that's why depending on the material and on this 14, it's either fair. So coming from virgin materials, but from mines where there is an improved, where we are improving livelihoods of the, of the miners, or from recycled uh, sources. But there are many other projects that are more intangible. So they, they don't come necessarily as something on your phone, as indeed the living wage uh, program that we have in uh, many of our suppliers in China. But also, for example, our take back programs from countries where there's no recycling infrastructure. So our phones are uh, what we call e-waste neutral. And we can say that because we know that for all the weight of phones that we put in the market, we are collecting the same weight from uh, either from countries where there's no recycling infrastructure, so we're really avoiding e-waste, or from markets in Europe where we are present. So these are different, and, and like this, I could mention many other projects, but these are projects where we show that it can be done different. We show that a brand can show leadership and can show uh, being very, forward with how can you use your business to make all these uh, initiatives come true and and all this we link to our proposition also to the market of course so in the end people that buy a fair phone not only buys into a phone that is more sustainable it actually change it's actually buying a product that is changing the whole industry so look i i think there's some really interesting dynamics here because you talk about kind of fair and recycled materials i don't know if those materials are more or less expensive than traditional materials that go into the phone you talk a lot about the supply chain but i suppose for a lot of companies who are who are trying to tackle their carbon footprint understanding supply chains can be can be very complex and then at the end of the day you're also producing a a premium product that is, I suppose, competing with the likes of Apple, Google, Samsung, mm -hmm. and you're trying to do it at a price point that is accessible so that people can make the change. Correct. And yet at the same time, competes. I, I suppose it's quite difficult for you as a, as a product director to, to get all of those elements working so that you can both stay true to your mission and compete enough to make the change? 
that's what makes our job so much fun every day because indeed that's exactly what we are doing so striking that balance every day with everything that we do i do want to start actually answering this question by saying that that uh, i think i and many people at fairphone share a vision of business that is maybe different than what traditional businesses have been doing in the past we envision business as a very important uh, yeah stakeholder and in economy where that that also needs to contribute to making our world uh, a better place right so we or maybe let me speak for myself i i don't see any more a role for a company in this world that is only busy with earning money and i say this very very forward because we have shown that we can be profitable. We have investors like other companies. We have 150 employees that receive a salary every month. So we are a profitable company. And yet the our highest KPIs and what drives us is our, our social and environmental uh, uh, vision. And they don't compete with each other, right? Like we we have put a model in place where, of course, I'm not saying like we should like grow endlessly, but the the more phones that we sell today, the more fair materials we are putting into the market, the more people that uh, uh, benefit from those projects in in the supply chain. So it's also a call to the business out there to really link their business their business models to something that actually its growth can only do better for this world and and. Yeah, this, it seems like nearly a role that used to be only for NGOs, but I believe that, as I said, like there's no there's no room anymore for businesses in this world that are not trying to change the world uh, for a, to to make it a, a better place. So for me, it's not anymore about who has the most sustainable phone or who has the the more amount of recycled materials. For me, it's who is the one that is really contributing to have a systemic change? Who is there in every single event, you know, saying what is important, what we need to work as, a, as an industry? And that's the role that we have been playing. And I think after 10 years existing really as a, as an, as a company, actually, uh, I believe we are at that place. We're still a small player, but we are at that place where people consider us like as leaders and people come with questions to us when when they want to know, you know, what Fairphone is thinking about the certain sustainability development. I think it's interesting you say you're still a small player because the, the perception that I had, the fact that your phones are regularly reviewed in the newspapers alongside those other brands that we're all familiar with, suggests perhaps a a bigger impact than than 150 people in the Netherlands might be expected to make. Let's say that. Um, sure. I, 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 what I was really keen to know is you started as, a, as an awareness campaign. I think it is unlikely necessarily that you will become the biggest smartphone manufacturer in the world. So what, what do you want to do? Do you want to change the behavior of your competitors? Uh, Ultimately, obviously, you want your phone to sell, you want to grow, you want to build your audience. But is success changing the attitudes of the incumbents and challenging them to think more broadly about the way that they are practicing business? Yeah, our, our mission is to establish a viable market for ethical consumer electronics. And by doing that, inspire the rest of the industry to act more responsibly. That's our, that's our mission. And that has been the same since the very first day. 
Um, so yeah, our success actually is, and our KPIs are around that. One of our KPIs is to what extent are we successful in making sure that other big companies follow or adopt some of our uh, some of our projects, and and we are scored on that KPI as well. And our you know our our investors look at it uh, every year, and that's the beauty of Fairphone. Like we've been able over the years to set. Um, how to call it, a support context around our organization that really supports what we are doing. You cannot do this alone. You also need, uh, you also need uh, investors, but you cannot have any type of investor, right? You need to have also very particular type of investors that know, understand what you are doing and understand that the, the value of your company will only increase if you are better at uh, fulfilling your mission, right? And and at becoming a more sustainable, more sustainable phone, but also really changing the industry from within. Um, so yeah, that's 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 a whole thing. And and to what you were saying about the 150 people, I think the impact that Fairphone has is much actually goes much beyond other companies at this. Uh, scale. And that's exactly what we want to do, right? So we want to have a very public profile where, uh, you know, when we, to give you another example, when we challenge the industry with our living wage program and we write them all and we invite them to follow us, that there is actually press uh, coverage about it and that there's press coverage on, you know, asking the question, why are other companies not uh, doing the same and making sure that uh, workers in the supply chain earn a living wage, for example. So, I, I mean, I found it fascinating that on your website, there's a blog uh, titled, Apple thinks modular hind uh, hinders device longevity. We don't. I, I think the fact that Apple are getting that question speaks mm -hmm. volumes. Yeah. Uh, whether or not they agree right now or not, the pressure is obviously there and people are beginning to query, well, why can't you take a battery out? Why can't you replace elements of your phone? Yeah. I, I like to call it inspiration instead of pressure uh, because, <laughs> and I say that with a purpose, right? Because we've always been very careful at Farfan to keep an open and positive attitude towards everyone in the industry and, and being very solution driven rather than um, uh, criticizing or focusing only on the problems. And that's also, again, what makes our jobs so much fun, because we are in the industry. We need to make a phone. We need to make a phone that is thin, not too heavy, you know, with a nice screen, with a camera that is uh, as good as possible, etc. So we go through the same challenges that other companies have, yet we are true to our model of being that uh, change factor or change agent within the um, within our industry and by an extension to the to to in in the economy actually you are a business you create profit through purpose but you are still a business you are also one that's going against the grain of what everyone else in the industry has done but i am a sucker uh, up to this point i have always gone oh i'd quite like a new phone and i upgrade too regularly i i do make sure that i hand my phone on to mm -hmm younger family members and they are continue to be used they don't just they don't go in a landfill they don't sit in a in a desk drawer as i know your 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 brilliant screen behind the screens documentary demonstrated very starkly what happens perhaps if they end up in landfill um but how do you 
I suppose, how is that helping you build an audience? Because your your devices, one of the one of the key selling points is that it can be uh, supported for up to eight years. So if someone mm-hmm. buys a Fairphone five, they might you know it might be nearly twenty thirty before they need to replace it from a software point of view. Yeah. Um, that means that you sell less less devices, but you still want to build that audience. How, how do you do that? Yeah, how does Profit with Purpose help you build that audience, help you build that customer base, and I suppose a slightly different business model to sustain the business? Uh, yeah, but look, people buy our phones because of that eight-year support, right? That is not only That does not only mean that we sell less phones. Actually, we sell more phones because there are more people and more people interested in that longevity. So we are... Again, we need to build this support context around our organization and consumers are also part of that, right? We, we, in all respects, we prefer to have a customer that is interested in keeping their phone for eight years and not necessarily to change their phone every year, right? Of course, our goal is also to convince uh, people that want to change their phone every year that that's not needed and that we can give you a phone that allows for that. And, uh, and that we can at least, you know, double uh, uh, that uh, life cycle. But it comes all together, right? So it's also, uh, I mean, I, I like to, well, and I, actually I know as a matter of fact that we are moving towards a, a bigger group of consumers. So in the beginning of Fairphone, you can imagine 10 years ago, Fairphone won. I mean, this was a very different organization back then, right? In terms of what we were able to do as well. But the type of consumers, that, that the type of people that were buying Fairphone One were those kind of people that were very sustainability driven, but also willing to take any, you know, any compromise in terms of, you know, making sure that they were buying a product that was fitting their values. As we moved to a bigger, to a bigger audience, you know, like there's less and less people like that and more and more people that are thinking, hey, I want to do something good for the world, but I also want a good phone that works great and has a great camera, right? So, and that has also been made uh, possible by the evolution of Fairphone. So, of course, now we are a different organization. We are much more ready for taking on that challenges that we were, let's say, 10 years ago. So, so it's step by step, you know, like step by step. Look, I think what you're doing as an organization is exciting um, and it is creating opportunity for other companies, which is great. Um, you've touched on a whole range of different stuff over the over the last 20 minutes. What What are the takeaways? If you had to boil this down into one or two things that you wished that the technology sector as a whole and moving beyond consumer devices, um, but, but the technology sector as a whole kind of thought about more clearly to try and improve their impact on the environment, what would those couple of messages be? Uh, one focus on uh, what I like to call real sustainability, not sustainability that sells to customers only. So uh, uh, there is more and more focus, for example, on the circular economy and moving to 100% recycled, but that might not be the answer for the short term, actually, and and uh, the challenges that we are having today. So I think like honest and 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 genuine discussions about sustainability and what what's important and working more together with other people and other peers in your industry is something that that 
it's urgent, I would say, not only important, but it's actually urgent. We need to learn from each other. We need to learn from the, from the mistakes from each other because sustainability cannot just be a competitive advantage in the market. Uh, sustainability is a need because we are in a climate crisis and we are getting, it's getting worse and worse, right? So everyone doing business should know what they can do and what they can do now in the short term as well. So that's, uh, that's message number one. And then message number two, I think is a little bit referred to what you were saying, you know, like uh, it's okay to sell more. It's okay to, to grow your business, but make sure that you can grow your business detached from stuff that is really um, harmful for the, for the environment. So uh, selling devices, it's okay. But selling services is even better, right? So like the, the footprint that that has is, is different. So that's also very important. So the, the industry needs to focus on making sure that the users are served with, um, uh, with devices longer than, than having to change devices so often. I, I, I love that mantra of the most sustainable phone is the one that you already own. And uh, I think that's a really key message for people to hear. But I really appreciate you giving up some time today to, to chat to me and, and uh, explaining a bit about your story. Thanks. Thanks for, uh, for your time as well and uh, covering Fairphone. Oh, but just out of interest, I, I don't have Fairphone. Um, I imagine that a lot of people listening won't be familiar with Fairphone. You're an, you're an Apple user? I am, Yes. Yeah, live and swear by it. But um, I think people just kind of go with like trends and stuff and just sort of stick to the, what they know more than anything. Which I think, you know, you, you can't criticize people for mm. because we probably don't do as much to go out and find the information that we should. And um, I, I have a Google Pixel, which I like very much, but on further research, probably isn't the kindest choice I could have, could have made for the planet. Um, However, I think the, the interesting question would be to say, how long do you generally hold on to your phones? Because I am really, uh, you can point the finger at me and say that I, I need to, to change my habits because I generally up, upgrade my phone every couple of years. Yeah, so do I. Like I say, not massively healthy for the environment, but I think it's just the way we live. It's quite a dis like disposable sort of generation. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know many people that just kind of, sell their phones or buy second home hand phones or try to like say go and get repairs done over just going to get a brand new one yeah and and the one thing that i kind of console myself with is that i do give my second hand phones on to my goddaughter who's um in her teens in france and therefore is grateful for them um but i think the fact that fairphone have come along and with fairphone 5 you have something that is genuinely a premium product hmm. it's got a five-year warranty it's built to last. It's modular, so it is easy to repair. You can actually remove the... I mean, removing the batteries was a thing. It always was a thing. Like, growing up, you could take the batteries out of phones. Well, it's a return to that aspect, but you can replace the camera. You can replace the screen really easily yourself. And, really importantly, they support it for, I think it's up to seven years. Um, Mikhail mentions it in the interview. But a phone that really lasts because the most sustainable device is the one that you already own. There's always something new coming out. And like you say, sometimes the model you've got just can't, you know, simply just can't keep up with that. Whereas like you said, if this is keeping up with that, it's it's giving you all the new software and updates that you need. And really, you don't really have too much reason to kind of have to go and buy a new phone, I guess, unless you're just really, I don't know, obsessed with like how it looks and you just need like the iphone 15 or the newest model all the time but um 
yeah, I mean, that in itself is quite a unique kind of spin on this because I think most phones will, like you say, you can replace the camera, you can replace the battery, but um, I've never seen one that actually sort of updates with all the software as well because, um, yeah, that is that is pretty cool, actually. And the fact that other companies are now sort of going in the same direction and obviously sort of uh, they've set a bit of a trend and being sort of the trailblazers in that sort of space, again, um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of what we need is more people to do this sort of stuff. And it's almost like a domino effect and and more people, more big companies will start to hopefully follow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there we go, Mikael, your, your, your message cutting through with us. Hopefully it cuts through with more people. Uh, before we finish, before we wrap up, uh, yesterday, today, this is all very confusing when we record. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Bev was on television. Did you did you see our CEO, the National Squared CEO on Sky News earlier? I didn't. I actually didn't. Oh. But I... I know, but I did. Oh, I know, but I did. um, I did see it ping up on LinkedIn. If that's, I know it's not quite the same, but um, yeah, I saw lots of um, pictures on LinkedIn and stuff, and yeah, it looks great. And I know, obviously, uh, this week again, I'm a bit confused now what day we're recording, but it's the AI. Oh, no, no yes, this week, this week, yes, this week. sorry, yes, I was so going to say something different, sorry. Oh, okay, no, no, this so week. it's, no, no, sorry, so it's the um, AI safety summit, yes. um, which weirdly enough is actually literally right outside my house. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, literally on my doorstep. So There we go, everyone, um, we now know where Amber lives. If you're going I know. <laughs> Talking about uh, safety, AI safety summit, I've just given away my address near enough. Um, so yeah, no, that's, I think there's going to be some really cool stuff hopefully coming out of that and, and lots of sort of new um you know, kind of regulations or talk of that anyway. So I'm excited to sort of keep, see what comes from that. But obviously I know that was obviously the topic of what Bev was speaking about. Yes, because we've got our, our DLR, our Digital Leadership Report, um, out next week, uh, which is being launched at the Houses of Parliament, where, you know, it, it talks about 90% of UK tech leaders are calling for stronger regulation, but 66% of UK tech leaders say regulation won't solve risks, which is, you know, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> You want you want regulation, but you don't think it'll be effective. What's the answer then? I'm not expecting you to come up with the answer. I was going to say, I was like, oh god, Dave. I mean, uh, <laughs> you're asking the wrong person. Um, that's really interesting, though. Like you say, like you say, bring it in, um, bring regulations in, but actually doesn't look as though from that response, many people are. Um, there's, there's, have there's too need. much faith in it i guess yeah exactly there's there's absolutely need but there seems to be a lack of faith that it'll actually be successful which is worrying mm. right yeah very anyway so yes very interesting to see what comes out of the ai summit later this week um very interesting to see how people react to our dlr fairphone thank you for being our guests Sookie Fuller, as I said, we are recording with her later this week. So if you've got any questions that we might put her way, let us know. But apart from that, I am full of cold and desperately trying not to cough and splutter all over the microphone. So um, nice. Yeah, I, I think we'll I think we'll <laughs> leave it there for the, for the day. Thank you, uh, thank you, Amber, for joining me. No worries. Cheers, Dave. Oh.